Hey folks, I'm Tom. And I'm Vince. Welcome to Friday Night Beers, a show where two guys who know too much about pop culture and not enough about beer try some beers and explain them in a way that you may understand. But that you probably won't, and it'll only make sense to us. Either way, we hope you'll be entertained. And we hope you're going to be entertained by this because for the first time ever, we're reviewing a beer for the second time. The second time. The sequel. This time, it's personal. <laughs> this time, we're sober. <laughs> sort of. Um, yeah, so we're drinking Oberon Ale, Bell's Oberon specifically. Yep. And for those who were with us at our live show last year, you know that we reviewed that in person. But to be honest, that was kind of a unique, special experience, and we gave it the appropriate amount of time, but we wanted to revisit it. Isn't that right? We wanted to get into some detail about it. We wanted to, you know, um, do something that wasn't as interactive, right? Let's get to the meat of what we do. Right. And it's also, it's perfect timing for this. The spring has sprung. It is the season for Oberon, and it is almost a celebration, much like St. Patrick's Day or the summer solstice, if you will. People right. look forward to this every year. Right. Um, so we'll give you the quick and dirty overview. Oberon is from Bell's Brewery. If you've listened to the show, you already know the story. We've done Two Hearted Ale. We've done Larry's Last. And we're now doing Oberon for the second time. So, But really the first time. Right. And uh, Bell's is the legendary wheat ale from Bell's Brewery. By the way, Comstock, Michigan, if you haven't been there. And as they say on their website, it is fermented with Bell's signature house ale yeast, mixing a spicy hop character with mildly fruity aromas. And the addition of malt wheat lends a smooth mouthfeel, making it a classic summer beer. Couldn't agree more, Vince. I couldn't either, and I'll be honest with you, one advantage to us doing this again, and it also being a Bell's, is our crack clock referee is going to be pleased because I think it's time to crack. Oh my God! One of the earliest cracks ever. <laughs> Cheers, Vince. Cheers, Tom. Oh. Oh yeah. Smells like Teen Spirit. No, it smells, smells like, like Oberon. It smells like spring, summer, all of it. This is yeah. something I'm anticipating. I like this. This is it's like the like the oral tradition of beer. This is one that was passed down oddly enough from like my mom. This is something my mom oh, was yeah. like, "Oh, Oberon, it's a great beer." Yeah, let's try it again. Mm. Delicious. That's fantastic. As far as wheat beers go, I don't think I, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find something that is better and more refreshing than Oberon. I think it's top notch. And and one of the things I'd be interested to see is what happens now that Bell's has been sold off. Yeah, so I guess if you if you don't know this already, but Larry Bell, the founder of Bell's Brewery, he has uh, sold his pride and joy to another person. And I, I didn't know this, but I guess he left his daughter in charge, and she's also now left Bell's. So right. no longer in the Bell's family at all. Yeah, so they sold to a larger conglomerate, which we had, we covered this in Larry's last, if you're interested, with... With our resident beer genius, Ryan Mack. Yeah. Ah, that might go to his head, oh, but that's all right. Resident beer uh, novice. Expert? Expert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is going to be pretty uniquely focused on the beer. This might be the first time in a long time. We're getting back to our roots here, Tom. I want to start 
at this point, you mentioned you felt like this beer was passed down to you. Explain yeah. more about that. I think it's rare that alcohol is like passed down. <laughs> Depending on the family, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's not like oh, this is this is your grandfather's ring, his class ring. He wanted me to have it, and now he wanted you to have it. Or like mm-hmm. oh, this is the 1967 Chevelle that every every lock man has driven, and you're this is how you're going to learn how to drive stick. You know, it's not right. something physical like that. It's also just not something that you like necessarily want your kid to have until they're 21 but as far as like beers and craft beers to be suggested by parents i feel like that doesn't happen a lot and credit to my mom and probably my dad had something to do with it but he's more of two-hearted this was one that was like oh i think you're gonna like this a lot when we were 21 22 right right? this was a special treat this was something like oh this is what i drink and we were very like we were like that's very lame, but we'll try it because it's alcohol, and then it was delicious. So I don't have um, a first memory of Bell's Oberon, but I do remember just the general idea of someone saying like, "Hey, this is like a great summer beer. You got to try this." And you know, going back to the way beginning of this show when we did Tangerine Wheat, we talked about like porch drinking beers. Yes, and whenever I. Yeah, when I think about Bells, I think about warm weather, I think about being outside, and I do think about Michigan people because I feel like this is just something that Michigan people, it's like you're uh, Italian beef in a way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, this just like, it's something that Michigan people are very proud of, and rightfully so, but now this is just everywhere. I mean, anywhere you go, for the most part. In the Midwest and maybe even a little bit beyond. Yeah. Bell's Oberon is definitely there. Well, also like another familial tie here, which it makes total sense because this is what Larry Bell tried to build with Bell's, right? It's it's weird to say alcohol binds your family together, but, you know, it it does a little bit. You're making a lot of familial ties. Well, okay, so because... The reason that my mom found out about this is because my uncle Tim and Aunt Aileen loved, like, he was so into craft before it really got big. Yeah. And he loved bells. They always brought bells. I was like, what is this bells stuff? Because I was, what, like 13, 14, 15 at the time? You know, I was a, a spring chicken, someone who had pretty much only seen Bud Light. You know, yeah. I was like, "This is beer too," and they're like, "Yeah, this is, this is very good beer," and it is. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when we did the live show, we touched on a, a number of different topics that were kind of about the same things, right? Easygoing stuff, popular stuff. I want to focus on something else, and I'd love to get your take on this. There's a lot of movies or shows that we consider like rewatchable shows. Like we revisit them a lot. Easy going, e- comfort shows. Right. Well, well, not even just that. Or just things you just love. Like you just love going back to that world. Like I think about Lord of the Rings. I had a buddy over recently for the weekend. We came home after a night out. We watched The Two Towers again. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen that film. So my question for you or what are like, let's focus on movies specifically, not shows. What are movies that like you just really like revisiting over and over again? 
So here's what I want to do is I want to put a spin on that because we are going to end up where we've ended up so many episodes before talking about Christopher Nolan, talking right. about Inception, talking about anything with Michael Caine. Yeah. And if, if we go down this path and I want to take what you've requested here and place a little twist on it. Yeah. Where we talked twist about it. like you said movies that you just go to because you know you're going to enjoy yourself. Do you have any movies that you go to for another purpose? I'll start and give you an example. Somewhere along the way, I read that like when you're very stressed, like crying is one of the best stress releases you can do. So if I'm like beyond stressed and crazy, then I queue up either the last five minutes of the movie Big Fish or the final scene of The Iron Giant. Wow. And those two are automatic. So I associate You're those two. You're queuing up tearjerkers. Those are tearjerkers right yeah. away. And they're not like tearjerkers in their, in the way that yeah. that Shailene Woodley sick kid movie is. What's the name of that? <laughs> Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Was Miles Teller in that too? I think that was actually your boy Ansel Elgort. Oh, yeah. I don't like that he's... <laughs> I know he's not boy. your boy. He's not, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't like him. <laughs> Okay, so you're you're queuing up scenes for this. Not purpose. not even yeah. scenes, but just like a movie where you know you know you're gonna get a certain a emotion yeah. or mood out of it. Like maybe you've had you've had like a hell of a day, and you just want a banger of an action movie where you're like, yeah, yeah, I feel good. What no, is I, that? I so I, I I'll talk about summer for example. I have a tradition every summer. I watch Adventureland. Nice. I love Adventureland. I think it's a perfect summer movie. It puts me in a great mood. I know it backwards and forwards, but like I treat myself to like a viewing of that once a year. There's no other movie I do this with. I don't like I don't do this for Christmas. I don't do this for Thanksgiving. And I don't have a specific date to do it. I just know that at some point in the summer, I'm gonna watch Adventureland again. Yeah. So that's one like specific use case for this. If I'm just like stressed out and I want to like kind of unwind with something fun, I'm I'm pulling up the John Wick movies. Nice. And I just saw the fourth one, which I told you about. Yeah. And these movies are just a fucking blast. And you don't the plot's not really essential. I mean, there is a semblance of a plot, but for the most part, it's just Keanu Reeves kicking ass. And it's just, it, it's supposed to be incredibly well shot. It is. It and reimagined what people think is the right way to shoot an action movie. It, it, it really is like the cinematography and the fight choreography. It's almost like watching like a ballet, but with guns. Yeah. And they do it so well. It's so like engrossing. And even though you know the premise, like he's going to kill a bunch of people, it's the how. It's like, well, how is he going to do it? How is he going to get out of this situation, you know? Yeah. So, and I have a healthy, very healthy respect for that. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I, I love that. One of the things that I want to touch on very briefly is back when we were doing improv. Yeah. There was improvised everything. Yes. Right? And one of the bits that I think someone else and, and I were talking and I said, we should just do improvised John Wick before it had come out and become spectacular. Yeah. Because that, like, there was that, and I, I struggle to say it, but hesitate to say it, but iconic scene in the trailer where he goes, that dog was a gift from my dying wife. And then he goes nuts. Yeah. And so the entire premise of this 
was that blank was a gift from my dying <laughs> wife and people would just go and it was just going to be 30 minutes of people saying that blank and then turning around and going that lawnmower was a gift from my dying wife <laughs> that double man was a gift from my dying wife well i will say the, the one of the, one of the flaws of the, of the movie is the dialogue yeah, there's a part in the first one when like he's just killed like 30 people and this guy comes up to him and he's like, so I guess you're back, huh, John? He goes, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Yep. <laughs> there's one for every trailer too. Every one of his right. trailers. <laughs> there's another one at the, at the end of this. I'm so yeah. sorry, but it's like, it's like Fallout Boy. It's like you're like, oh. damn, that's anthemic. <laughs> my cousin, I, I got to give props to my Not cousin John. Up, up. Yeah. He was the one he's like, yeah, they're just really really good at those anthemic lyrics okay and i want to i want to transition into the glass and transition into music because comfort music is a huge thing for me and i know i can't wait to hear what you have to say about this speaking of of comfort i'm ready to be uncomfortable in yeah. this conversation that's why i brought this up because i want to fuck you up buddy you mentioned fallout boy i'm a huge fan of, of fallout boy not for the last like 10 years of music essentially but the first three albums that when we were growing up were just incredible and like you think about sugar we're going down dance dance you know sophomore slump comeback of the year now talk to me is this when we were all waiting for pete wentz and ashley simpson's what a marriage to fail or was this when like we were wondering, are they going to tie the knot? This was tie the knot era. Like this okay. is when they started dating. So like Ashley Simpson was big during our middle school, high school years. Who's better, Ashley Simpson or Jessica Simpson? That's a side. That's a whole other podcast right there. That's fair. That's um, fair. But no, like it's Ashley. There, <laughs> Fall Out Boy helped like popularize, or like I guess in the mature era of pop punk, they were like one of the biggest acts in that business. And every time I hear some of those old Fall Out Boy songs, like. I feel a little like sense of like joy and nostalgia, and I used to run to the same album at Fall Out for Fall Out Boy for like two years straight. <laughs> I would do these three mile runs, and it was like perfectly timed with like the first seven tracks of this one Fall Out Boy album because they're all three minutes. Yeah, and I'd be like, "Fuck! All right, if I get to the seventh one, I'll know that I have like a twenty one minute, you know, five k." I used to used to do this a lot. Yeah, I don't, I can't do that anymore, but. I used to be pretty fast. Oh my god! But Vince, what is your comfort music like? When you when you decide to dip into the world of music, like, do you have go tos? Do you have things that you're like, oh man, I know this is going to be a reliable set of bangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I do, and uh, it depends on the mood, right? So I definitely there was a a point in time where I was listening pretty exclusively to Odessa did something with. I can't remember what the name is, but like it was an alternate project called Bronson. And it's just this like. Sounds riveting. Yeah, like it was, it's just like all bass and like yeah. nothing else. And I was like, that worked for me for running. But I was actually, I was talking to Mora about this recently because I had the thought. It's like. Uh, the the idea of you know like getting married has come up and we've talked about it a little bit and within that conversation you think like well what's your first dance going to be and like I realized why I was having so much trouble like coming up with a song is because 
I like really sad music. <laughs> that's that's where it is. Like every single one, I, one of them that I've liked, it's like a lot of it is this electronic that's kind of upbeat. So like Odessa does a lot of that yeah. stuff. Where like at the end of the day, what, if you think about what they're saying, like one that I really like off their new album is the line is "You can't break my heart because I was never in love." Oh, like, you can't really. Play that as your first wedding and, song. And uh, please welcome Mr. and Mrs. Vincent Lott. <laughs> yeah. But then the other one, the other one would be "Good Things Fall Apart." The John Bellion. Oh yeah. You can't. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well, some of those like EDM songs, they weren't really about anything. Like I don't know what the song "Scary Monsters Nice Sprites" was about. <laughs> anything related to that whole era of Skrillex and dubstep was just like. It was just ah, throw it in there. It Why was not? just movie quotes and samples. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Right. Becky. Oh my god. <laughs> Dead Mouse had some uh, like I remember puts me in a great mood. That's like uh, I remember, but I don't remember what they were remembering. Uh, Tycho does that for me. You listen to yeah. Tycho at all? Yeah, I, I remember him. There's yeah. a couple of them that it's just like, it's a lot of... <laughs> I just said I remember him. <laughs> Voodoo. Cheap. Yeah. Um, no, I, I would also say that that era EDM puts me in a good mood. And I was just thinking about this recently because we tried to get tickets to see Pretty Lights. They're oh, coming, nice. Yeah. They're coming to Chicago. Dude, it was sold out in two minutes. I'm like, wait a minute. This guy who hasn't performed in like seven or eight years... Who I haven't thought about in just as long, if not longer, he's now selling out Chicago venues in under a minute. Dude, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I'll take it away, though, because this does still apply even if you go outside of EDM or electronic music in general. Yeah. First by Cold War Kids. This is my favorite Cold War Kids song. That's a good one. It's great. But it's a brutal song lyrically. Like you can't you can't dance to that at a yeah. wedding. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I feel like first dance songs are very personal. So I don't I don't get too like critical of that. But I do feel like wedding music songs are an important, crucial decision, right? Okay. Wow. Here we are. I've I've arrived at my, my take. For what this beer is, what Oberon is. Yeah. <laughs> Let it out. What you have to understand is how I feel about this song in general. My personal opinion, and also by virtue of that pure fact, is that no one is ever upset, angry, or having a bad time when the Avicii song levels come Oh, on. man. Great take. No one is ever having that. And no one is ever having a bad time. When you're cracking, drinking, or pouring Oberon. This beer's levels. It is. Yeah. It's the crown jewel of 2010's EDM. <laughs> Dude, even, even my dad, who does not have any time for that or rap, was like... And he left it. <laughs> like, normally, he changes the channel so quick. And when yeah. he heard that, it was like, oh, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to like this. I would <laughs> love to know if my dad could recognize that song. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you'd be like, wow, this is good. Is this Pink Floyd? <laughs> Oh, God, no. He's like 40 years behind it in music in in general. But, yeah, Levels, that's definitely, it might be number one in just, like, instant dopamine hits for EDM tracks. Like, I would would say across all music. I've yet to encounter a song where people begrudgingly are like, 
All right, yeah, 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 that's well, good. Well, so I had a hot take in my newsletter, Tuesdays with Tom. I wrote about the top 10 wedding songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And I I tried to come up with this formula to make it somewhat objective, but it was kind of, you. kind of based on my opinions at the end of the day. And instead of putting shout number one, I put hey ya number one. And I said, I kind of planted this flag on hey ya saying... I think this will eventually be the number one wedding song in history because I also think whenever that song comes on, yeah, people just start twisting and dancing, and then when they get to the all right now, fellas, yeah, everybody just starts doing it, right? Yeah. Um, and shout. I'm not saying shout's not a great wedding song, but I'm almost kind of willing this into existence because I want I want to be 75 years old and listening to Hey Ya uh, at weddings. That's fair. The Cupid Shuffle probably makes it in there quite a bit. Yeah, but see, I've had some friends who requested no instructional dance songs at their wedding, so that's like, I like a polarizing. That. That's actually really, I like that. Other one. ones that made the list, just if I'm remembering correctly, um, September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Um, then there was uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston. Uh, Mr. Brightside. Yeah, that's a that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other one was um, Crazy in Love, Beyonce. Oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any like personal favorites in the wedding song <laughs> no, category? I, as you know, I, I love a good bit, and I read this one on Twitter. This yeah. guy, he says, at every wedding he goes to, he tries to get them to play the monster match. <laughs> <laughs> he said, in the time I've been doing this, I've gone to seven weddings, and I haven't failed yet. <laughs> He's seven for seven. Yes. I would crack up if I heard that. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't really successfully, like, mid-wedding gotten a request, but I've had some people pre-wedding ask me what I think they should put on their playlist. So I guess that... Which is, that's like a very high compliment, by the way. It absolutely is. What do you, the arbiter of taste, think? Of, yeah, of wedding songs. What should I play so that everyone has a good time? (laughs) You know. Yeah, I do know. And my, whenever I get married, who knows when that will be... It's going to be impossible for me to pick like a three-hour playlist because I have so many ironic bit songs across my friend groups that oh my God. it's going to be hard to cull it down into a mix of bits and serious music. That's fair. That there There is a place for bit music, and it has... Bit music has had its time in the light, I guess, or in the spotlight, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, Lonely Island was... If they had stayed together and kept doing what they were doing, I would argue that they would still be a place for bit music. Well, I mean... That's a, that's a bit, baby. You're talking about, like, parody music or satirical music, right? Sure, sure. I'm talking about songs that have been ironically embraced by friend groups. Oh, okay, okay. reasons that vary to whatever whatever your reason is. Like, like Raspberry Beret by Prince is like our go-to song as a group. <laughs> I don't know how it started. I don't know why it's lasted, but whenever I hear that opening drum beat, I'm just like, oh, time to go. Time to start. You wouldn't just put your dead playlist on? <laughs> a playlist that started because of an a dark joke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be a very random one. We have one that's called Diversity All-Timers as well because we used to live on Diversity Avenue. Nice. And one time I was showing someone the playlist, and they're like, what is the theme of this playlist? It's like, there's nothing connecting these songs. I'm like, 
I don't know. They were just funny to drink to. That's all that really nice. connects it. Um, Vince, what else is this beer conjuring for you before we give this a score? Again? You know, I don't think that I want to taint it with anything more, truthfully. I, if I must say anything, it's equally as delightful out of the glass as it is out of the can. And I'm sure it's the same out of the bottle. This is a really, really good beer. Um, as far as wheat beers go, I challenge you to find a better, more liked and well-respected wheat beer. And I say that, you know, coming from Chicago where 312 would stake its claim. 312, I say this with the utmost respect, it's hog water compared to this. I agree. I, 312 is very overrated. 312, for some reason, like has been held above Bud Light. But really, what's the difference? It's only slightly better. It's really not that much better. It's like, uh, <laughs> this is a weird analogy. 312 is like when you are a bro and you go to see like a movie in a hipster movie theater and you're like, I'm a cinephile now. Three one two is like showing up to an event that requested formal attire in a Canadian tuxedo. Yep. Yeah. Three one two is like three one two is like getting like a little baby tattoo on your ankle and being like, I'm I'm a hipster. I've got a tattoo <laughs> that no one can see. Congratulations. So if you can't guess, my score is going to be a lot higher than 3.12. Yeah. I'm going to go 4.75. I think this is as close to a 5 as a wheat beer will get for me. Yep. Uh, I'm cheating for this, and I'm going to match the score that I gave it last time. I gave it a 4.5. I see no reason to change that. What did I give it last time? I think you gave it less than me. Well, yeah. Well, that's you, why we're doing it that's again. That's why we're doing it again. We needed, needed more time we need to, to think focus about on it. it. Right. No, this is a great beer. It's an all-time classic. We're going to have more of them. It's just going to be around. Yeah. We love I, it. It's all, you love that it's seasonal, too. You can't get it all year round. And you wouldn't want it all year round. Well, I maybe mean, you uh, would. I, I could see myself wanting it all year round, but perhaps that's why we're so hard on 312. <laughs> well, we'll save that for the 312 episode. But <laughs> yes. um, if you enjoyed this, um, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, Spotify, Wherever you get your shows, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And if you haven't tried this beer and you're this far into our show. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Seriously. Keep, don't stop listening, but also get some help. And don't stop believing. <laughs> okay. But until next time. That's a wedding song for you right there. <laughs> it is. Until next time, though, I'm Tom. I'm Vince. This has been Friday Night Beers, where we have clear eyes, full cans. Must booze.